Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the God-Centered Men's Recovery Podcast. Glad to be back at you again. Uh, This is a podcast dedicated to Christian men who are in the process of recovery and want a spirit-filled recovery life. So welcome. So a couple of podcasts ago, I was talking about vital necessity, and I have to return back because um, it was such a powerful topic that kind of stuck in my mind. And it all started with Jesus saying that I must be about my father's business. And when I began to look up this word must, I seen a definition called vital necessity. And vital is something that is all important. It's essential. It's crucial. It's paramount. It's key. And it is required. And so as I begin to try to understand this word, I begin to think about what other vital necessities might there be in the life of faith and inside of our life. So we know physically that a vital necessity is food and water and our vital signs, you know, our heartbeat and different operations of our body that that are signs of life. And there are many signs of life uh, inside the spiritual life, inside the physical life, inside the life of recovery. And so that's what we are going to discuss today. So I found this scripture. Um, I didn't write down where I found it, but it says to inquire for him and crave him as a vital necessity. Now it's talking about God desiring him, requiring him, craving him as a vital necessity. And one thing that that we got to understand is that that we need God. Like for man to walk in ab- abundance mindset, for man to have uh, peace, love, joy, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, all of those good things that are listed as the fruit of the Spirit, we need the assistance of God. Even more so, men who are in recovery. Because we have failed in the love department. We have failed in the self-control department. We have failed in the patience department, right? And so even more so, us as men who are walking this path need God. We need God. But this uh, passage that I, I came upon was to crave. Now, this goes to... Uh, the basic fundamentals of addiction, right? Addiction is craving. It is, it is wanting great, greatly. It's yearning for. It's longing for. It's lusting for. And um, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably very familiar with those words and how they relate to addiction. But the same words is used for our relationship with God. That we should crave him, that is, we should want him greatly, we should yearn for him, we should desire strongly a connection and a relationship with him, so much so as a vital necessity. And that is that I can't live without it. But here's the reality of things is that men everywhere, Christian men, are living without it. And you could tell by the disciplines of their daily life and what they think is important. And, and God always puts on the back burner. You know, I'm in a lot of Christian men groups and, and the, the common cry or the common complaint is, is, I don't have time to get into the word. I don't have time to get connection with God. And then somewhere along the lines, God gets put on the back burner of all of these things. 
And here's the reality of things is that we do what is important to us. And the only way to begin to do the spiritual things is to increase its importance. And that once we require it as a vital necessity, then we will have it. Much like the parable that I gave you a couple of days ago about the young man coming to his guru seeking wisdom. If you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to go back. But it was talking about the guru shoved his face in the water, in a bucket of water, and he was grasping and, and, and he was, you know, on the edge of, of passing out. And then the guru lets him up and, and, and he says, why did you do that? And he goes, once you want wisdom, like you want that air, you'll get it. And so the same thing that needs to happen inside of our spiritual life is once we begin to crave, once we begin to desire, once we begin to have this inward yearning and longing for all the good things that God has for us and his self and his presence personally, that's when we're going to find it. Because here's the reality of things. If we don't want it bad enough, a competing desire will come and steal it away. Yes, it will. And so if we have the competing desire of comfort, if we have the competing desire of laziness or whatever it is, then it's going to consume the other de desire. And the so same thing that happens because we don't desire God strong enough. We don't desire intimacy with our wives strong enough. We don't desire uh, health and holistic living strong enough. Then when these competing desires such as a donut, competing desires such as pornography, competing desires such as alcohol or whatever addiction it is comes, then we cave and we give into it because we don't understand that we need to build in us the desire as a vital necessity for those positive things in my life to say, you know what? I cannot live without an amazing marriage. I cannot live without a spiritual life that is on fire and dynamic. I can't live without pursuing holistic living. I can't live without it. So once we begin to crave and greatly desire those things, when competing desires come, they are no problem to beat in defeat. You see, here's the reality of temptation. Every man is tempted, right? That's what the Bible says. Every man is tempted. But then it goes into the reasons why. When he is drawn away by his own lust, and that is a strong desire. You see, we are men and we have passionate desires and we have, uh, uh, we crave and we long for certain things. And so we all often settle for cheap substitutes. We long and desire for, you know, the correct things, but we settle for cheap substitutes. And so what we got to get is a clarity in our hearts and our minds to begin to seek, desire, and crave the things that are beneficial to us or that are going to build us up. You see, why would you settle for a counterfeit when you can have the real thing? You know, we got men walking around with counterfeit bills in their pocket and they're happily singing, right? They're in these detrimental routines that are still in the joy and the peace from their life. And it's bringing them shame and guilt. And it's only snowballing and getting worse, settling for the counterfeit. So I found the scripture that says, seek my face, seek my face. Now, inquire and require my presence as your vital need. 
Man, that is powerful. And so what I see there is it doesn't say to seek my hand. You know, we got a lot of people seeking the hand of God is that that's the gifts. That is what is in his hands. We have a generation that thinks God is our genie and that he must conform to our wishes. And I totally get it because, you know, the secret pop propaganda that says, you know, the universe is at your beckoned call. And all you need to do is ask and it will be done to you. And so we got this idea that God can be manipulated and conformed to our will and that we're not supposed to submit to his. And so we come up with all these desires, all these lavish things. We put them on our, our vision board and, you know, there's beautiful cars and these beautiful houses and all these things. And we think, and they say, if we think about them, they will come to pass and that the universe is just our genie and supposed to bring it to us. You see, with the life of faith, the life of recovery is far different from that. It is surrendering our own will and accepting his. And it's something far different. And so he said, my face, seek, not my hand. Mm, that's powerful. Inquire, require my presence as your vital need. Like I said, if we say, you know what? I can't live without connecting to God on a daily fashion. Me personally, I cannot live without daily inspiration. I want God to speak to me every single day. Now, I don't hear nothing audible. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not one of those crazy kooks, but I need a deposit within myself and my spirit every single day. I require that as a vital necessity that I cannot live without it. I need God to tell me what's up today. I need him to fill me with inspiration and fire today. I need to have some clarity today. And so once you begin to require that connection, communication, relationship with God as a vital necessity, you'll find it. Oh, there's many men out there who, whose their life is just dry. It's just dead. Man, you say, you ask them what God is doing in their life, they'll look at you like, huh? Or, hey, what has God spoken to you lately? And they just go, huh? And there's just this overall cluelessness and a lack of awareness is because they simply don't require God as a vital necessity. Hmm. That is powerful. So we had all these vital necessities while we we're in the flesh, right? While we're serving the world, while we're serving ourselves. And a lot of these vital necessities, one was porn. Because we lacked intimacy and lacked relationship and a lack connection, we thought porn was a vital necessity for our life, for a coping skill, to release the stress and all of these different things. I've had uh, every addiction that I'm about to talk about. All of these things were a vital necessity for me. Cigarettes were a vital necessity for me. You ever see somebody who smokes, a cig smokes cigarettes? Guess what's the first thing they're thinking about when they get up in the morning? Their cigarette. And they often say what? The first cigarette is what? The best one of the day. And so it became a vital necessity. Now, one of the ways that I, that I beat nicotine addiction was to take away the vital necessity. And that was this, is that first thing in the morning, I'm not going to smoke. In fact, I'm going to wait till 10, 11, 12 o'clock. And then that built up the courage inside of me. You know what? If I don't require it as a vital necessity in the morning, 
that I can kick this whole habit because I have told it that I am in control, that I have the power, that I am the one who chooses what I do and what I don't do. And that's the process of change. Alcohol. Now, many men require this as a vital necessity. That before they go to bed or when they come home at night to take the edge off, to relax. Don't you know I deserve this? That was one of the key, key lies that held me in my addiction was I deserve this, right? Because I'm so highly functional because I'm working to help all these people and, and I'm, I'm helping children and, and all of these things, right? And I could come home with this slide of saying, I deserve this. And it was so funny one day. Um, I felt, you know, once again, I didn't hear no audible words, but I felt a thought come into my mind that it was directly from God. Because I was um, going back to smoking a cigarette earlier than, than I committed to, right? And I was thinking, you know, as I went, I was like, yeah, you know what? I deserve this. And, um, and I felt the thought come inside of me that God said, no, you deserve far better than this. You deserve a healthy life. You deserve healthy lungs. That's what you deserve. And then I begin to get a clue about what it is that I thought I deserved. After that, I begin to practice what that's called awareness smoking. And that is being aware of the smells, the sensation the feelings, the taste, and uh, what it began to happen was to develop a disgust inside of me. You see, no habit begins to change without disgust. Now, if we knew the porn industry and and um, who they're supporting and how children are prepped and propagated at a very young age to fill these roles, and they're they're prepped by being abused themselves and developing this low self-esteem. Because let me tell you, there ain't no powerful woman in the world who's filled with the spirit of God and is rocking life is going to jump on and do a video. So what you're watching is a broken person has been groomed by perverts to fulfill a need. And it starts at 13 years old. And it starts with getting them addicted to pills and to drugs and all of these things. Anyways, moving on. So pills, a lot of people have required pills as a vital necessity and uh, even so much as coffee, right? I was uh, coaching a woman one time who was addicted to coffee. You say, uh, yeah, coffee's not that bad. Well, it depends on how many pots you have. <laughs> you know, you have uh, uh, a coffee pot that does 12 cups and you're drinking two pots. Uh, I'm telling you, it's highly, highly detrimental to your body. So I even gave to the point where I gave up coffee. So we have to ask ourselves, do I need God? Can I live without his presence? Has his presence been an all important, essential, crucial, paramount key required factor for my life? Or has these other things that I mentioned that are so common among men who are in, in addiction, have these become paramount? And so we got to ask ourselves that. So we're going to go into a couple of the things that the, the Bible says is paramount. Now, Jesus said that I must preach the kingdom. And I talked to you about righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit and the five things about the kingdom. 
I'm just going to break them down a little bit more because I just breezed over them the other day. But righteousness is simply your right standing with God. Is that I have this vital necessity to have a right standing with God. It's a vital necessity. And so what we got to understand is what makes us righteous. For many men, they think they're good deeds. They think they're awesome performance. They think they're somehow worthy of all of these things. But the Bible says something far different. And it's the message of the gospel is that man can never measure up to God's standard. And that every attempt to do so is a is a fulfillment of their own self-righteousness, thinking that they can earn and deserve a place in heaven. When the Bible says that God gives it as a gift and we have to receive it. So one of the vital necessities is righteousness. Next one is peace. And that is first peace with God. That is that I am no longer an, intimate, uh, an enemy of God. I'm no longer opposing what God wants. That I've come to the realm of peace. The Bible says that we now have peace with God through what Jesus Christ has done. And that is a powerful, vital necessity for life. The next is joy. And that is the, the passion and the fire and the enthusiasm of everyday life that you're probably experiencing when you hear me speak because that I begin to walk in that. The next vital necessity is the Holy Spirit. You see, we think that we can we can have this amazing, awesome life that's connected to God and have an empowered lifestyle by our own strength, by our own commitment, by our own self-control. And what we got to understand is that when we yield to the Spirit of God, that's what brings us the results. So there's many men out there that think they could be holy without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and he's a vital necessity. And last one is that the kingdom of God is within you. This is a vital necessity of understanding that the power of God wants to work on the inside of me. And it wants to work through me. And we're always looking for the outside, for miracles and signs and wonders and things to take place on the outside, not understanding that the kingdom of God is within. And that power works, operates within us and then through us. And that is a powerful reality. The next one is you must be born again. You see, what started this whole process of me looking in the vital necessities was one word and it was called must. And the Bible lays out as a vital necessity that you have to be spiritually born. You see, we are physically born into this world through natural birth. And then we are spiritually born into this world by spiritual birth. And what happens is the light bulb begins to come on. I still remember when the light bulb came on for me, man, I was 16 years old and the preacher was sitting there talking and oh my God, I was sitting there sweating and shaking and, and I knew it's like every single word. It's like, he wasn't talking to anybody else. He was talking to me. And I still remember that experience of receiving and being, um, having a sense of, uh, the presence of God overshadowing my life. I came in sorrow and I left in joy. And it was an experience that, that the light bulb came on. 
And from ever since then, revelation has become begin to come. The Spirit of God begins to speak, and this must happen to you. You must be spiritually born. The next one is you must worship in spirit and in truth. You see, God is a spirit. Now, many people think they worship because they worship on a certain hill or a certain temple or a certain location. And what Jesus, Jesus was saying is that, that God is a spirit, and we must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, it's amazing that um, he talks about these two things because um, they're basically two camps that are inside of Christianity and the faith movement is those who just hold to the truth. They're going to just say, you know, our way is the right way. This is orthodoxy. This is this is truth. And it's more, um, you know, old-fashioned and tradition, and it's kind of dead, and there's really no life. And then we got those of the spirit who are animated. They are on fire, and and uh, they have passion and enthusiasm, but they don't have much truth, right? They don't have much solid foundation. And so it's kind of funny that that God would put these two words together and say, you know what, if you're going to worship me, if you're going to have true worship, it's going to be in the spirit, that is, in the Holy Spirit and the power and strength and, and animated enthusiasm and richness, but it's going to be in the truth also. You see, what we have today is people choosing one above the other. We're on the true side. And it's the stuffy, it's the frozen few, it's just, you know, people dead and religiosity and going through the motions and routines. And so we need them both. It is essential. It is crucial and paramount for the worship of God. The last one, or I actually have two more, is that you must believe that he is God and rewarder of them to diligently seek him. That is an all-important, essential, crucial matter inside of faith that you have to believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder. And what that comes down to is, I am not God. We must believe it's essential that he is God. Now, there's many people trying to be the God of their own lives, right? They're trying to do what, <laughs> try to be like Frankie, man. I did it my way, right? They're that they're the captain of the ship and they're they're the the captain of their soul and they and all of these things that that say that I am in the driver's seat and that God is somewhere else. But one of the vital necessities is knowing that He is God and that He is a rewarder of who diligently seek Him and who are those those that require Him as a vital necessity for life. He is a rewarder to those who seek him and require him as a vital necessity for life. And the last one I found is that he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. You see, the vital necessity, the all-important, the key factor is that God must reign. You see, God is already sovereign, but he has left choice inside of us. We're faced with choices every single day. So we got to ask ourselves, are we going to yield to God's sovereignty? Or are we going to deny it? And what that means is, that, am I going to allow God access to the throne? You might, well, what are you talking about? God is God. He sits on the throne. He does. But there's a throne room inside of our heart. There's an operation center that's inside of our heart. 
And what I'm asking is, is that he must reign. So is he operational king inside of there? And what that means is that I have stepped off the throne. If there's anything that men as recovery need to do, we need to step off the throne. And we need to stop limiting God. That was one of the amazing verses I've ever read that the, the people of Israel, they limited God. And we'll probably go into detail of that because that's a long episode. But just to break it out for you, God is sovereign, but he can be limited. Because he has sovereignly chose the free will of man. And so the free will of man can trump the sovereignty of God inside of uh, his life. God may want you to thrive and be prosperous, right? He may want you to have an amazing marriage. He may want you to, to uh, build a great business. He may want you to do all of these things. But we can limit God. And that is by our mindset, by our belief systems, by the things that we are pursuing, we can place limitations upon God. And we put God in this little teeny box, and he's, he's the creator of the universe, but we put him in this little box because we've made him so small. Could you imagine for a moment what kind of God it would take to create the universe and all the different galaxies? What kind of God would that be? But yet we have made him super small. We have made him a genie inside of the bottle who is there just to grant us wishes and to give us the easy street. See, there's many people that are going to seek the easy street, but Jesus said this, the way and the path is narrow. You see, wide is the path that leads to destruction, and there are, there are many that go to that path. Because narrow is the way that leads to life, and there's few who find it. And so if we're going along with the crowd, that is most likely the wide path. The narrow path is the way to resistance. And so I want to leave this episode with this. Have you required and inquired of God, crave, seek, and desire Him as a vital necessity? In every single area of your life, your family, faith, fitness, and finance, look inside of it and say, have I required God as a vital necessity in every single area of my life? And I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.